Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This week on Wealth Track, bridging the gap between women's financial power and their ability to harness it. The CEO of New York Life Investment Management is on the case. Yixin Hung is next on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. The economic might of women is large and growing. According to research put together by New York Life Investment Management, 51% of the personal wealth in the U.S. is controlled by women, an estimated $22 trillion worth. That number is expected to jump by 30% to nearly $29 trillion over the next 40 years as intergenerational wealth is handed over. Women are the key financial decision makers. 96% of women have primary or shared responsibility for family financial decisions. 70 to 80% of consumer purchases are driven by women through buying power and influence. 40% of women are primary breadwinners in U.S. households. 30% of private businesses are women-owned and 52% of management, professional, and related positions are held by women. And the majority of higher education degrees are held by women, 57% of bachelor's degrees, 60% of master's degrees, and 52% of doctoral ones. Yet there is a gap in how women view and handle money. Now, the good news is they save a bit more than men, 9% of their salary versus 8.6% for men. But women score lower on financial literacy tests. The gap is small among millennials, but much wider among Gen Xers and baby boomers. And women invest less, by one study, 40% less. And when it comes to seeking advice from financial advisors, women feel underserved and undervalued. According to a survey of 800 women commissioned by New York Life, 40% of women feel they are treated differently by investment professionals. 36% feel patronized. 30% feel advisors are less likely to listen to their investing ideas. And 28% believe investment advisors unconsciously or consciously push women out of financial conversations. Well, this week's guest is determined to change this dynamic, and she is in a position to do it. She is Yi Shin Hung, CEO of New York Life Investment Management, the investment division of New York Life, the largest mutual life insurance company in the U.S. Yi Shin oversees more than $550 billion in global assets managed by 10 specialized investment management boutiques, plus a diversified mutual fund and ETF business in the U.S. Among the recognition she has received is being named one of the 25 most powerful women in finance by American Banker for two consecutive years and Person of the Year by Markets Media. I asked Yi Shin why New York Life decided to focus on women and investing. 
we thought we might be able to make a difference here if we really undertook the effort to do a broad study, understand what women investors, their relationship is to financial advisors, and the degree to which their needs are being met. And so we undertook that. What are some of the more interesting uh, findings uh, that, that you discovered in the survey? So one of the most interesting findings is that there are different segments of women investors. So we identified four. The first is the single woman. Mm -hmm. Now she's on her own, she's making it on her own. Secondly, there's the married breadwinner. So this is a woman that's earning the lion's share of a family's income. Then you've got the married contributor. So this is a woman that earns less than her partner, mm -hmm. but in all other regards, she's a full equal partner. And then lastly, you have suddenly single women. These are women that are recently divorced or widowed. And so, of course you would expect, if you have different segments, that each of them would have different wants and needs. That said, we also found some universal sort of common characteristics right. of women. So for example, many women cited feeling unconsciously excluded from the conversation. In fact, it was- About finances. Exactly. Right, yeah. Right, and it's a similar experience that I had when my husband and I were in the market for a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And he basically paid his entire attention and focus on my husband. Secondly, there's stereotyping. You know, women are often placed into these gender-based roles, and so it has the effect of taking a woman who might otherwise be interested in mm -hmm. that investment conversation, and it takes her to a place of maybe being more complacent or passive. The other finding we found was that women really want education. Mm -hmm. They feel like their level of financial literacy just isn't where it should be. And then most importantly, women want a personal connection with their financial advisor. One of the other interesting things in the in the uh, research was that when I looked at you know the, how millennials responded, millennial women responded in the kind of financial literacy questions, and that it's and and again giving the more of a role in their financial understanding to men, that it's the same pattern seems to be repeating itself. It is. It's surprising. It isn't surprising. It is yeah. very much so. And so in there's fact, work to do. There's work to do because, you know, our generation we may have been more willing to delegate to our spouses, right? right? But what I think the research shows is that millennials are even more willing. Millennial women, and so we really have some work to do here. There is a future in this, in this area, no question. And and the the intergenerational wealth transfer is going to benefit women more and more. So if our economic might, if we control 51% of the personal wealth in this mm -hmm. country now, we're going to control even more of it uh, right. in the next 20 years or so. So we desperately need to be educated. We try to unpack what is it that women are looking for right. in financial advisors. So not surprisingly, the very first thing is investment knowledge, mm -hmm. right? That's to be expected. Right. So that's the first criteria that, that men and men and women would wish. That's right. All right. And then what was interesting were sort of the next three key mm -hmm. aspects. One is a woman really wants a financial advisor to take their concerns seriously. Mm -hmm. Number two, they feel like they really need to get the respect they feel like they deserve. Right. So if they ask a question, they get a good answer, the advisor makes sure she understands exactly what he's talking about. And then lastly, 
A woman wants a financial advisor that's really going to take the time to understand their full financial profile. You know, what's going on in their lives and right. doing that by asking a lot of questions. And then, and only then, putting out a map of how she gets from where she is to where she wants to get to and, you know, guiding her in terms of how much should she spend, save, and invest. Mm -hmm. So we really want, we want advice and we want to be engaged. What should women look for in a financial advisor? Again, and, and you had earlier said that, you know, first of all, you want they, them to have investment knowledge. Are there certain credentials that we should look for that they should have or to fit that piece to check off that box? Yeah, in terms of investment knowledge, I would right. say there's a couple of, um, you know, qualifications right. that uh, women should look for. So CFA, mm -hmm. Chartered Financial yeah. Analyst, right. or the CIMA, which is CIMA, mm -hmm. Certified Investment Management uh, Associate. Right. Those two are really technical certifications. The people that go through those really understand portfolio construction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes we'll see advisors with CFPs, so Certified Financial Planners. Right which is the other side of it. I had talked about all those other aspects that women are interested in. That's about engaging in terms of lifetime planning. Right, from what you're describing, what women are looking for, they're looking for a, a more holistic relationship to understand their wants and needs. So it's not just necessarily an investment decision, it's a, it's a bigger you know, li lifestyle, financial planning, Whatever. So is that, I mean, that, is that something that you found that women really want a, a, a much broader relationship and understanding of what their financial circumstances Absolutely. are? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we looked at women who recently left their financial advisor. Right. One third of the time they leave because the investment performance isn't there. Two thirds of the time they leave because the advisor didn't take the time to really mm -hmm. understand right. her circumstances or they just didn't really build the relationship. And so in many ways, I think our research suggests that what women are looking for is someone who cares, someone is a trusted partner, mm -hmm. and makes them comfortable enough to share really what are you know, personal details right. about their lives. So this is a relationship. Exactly. And it's, it's a, it sounds as if they're looking for a longer term relationship which actually should be great news for financial advisors because that's what they want too. They want a client that's gonna stick with them and grow with them, whatever. So it's mutually beneficial, right? That's right. Yeah. And oftentimes, maybe engaging with a women investor might take more time. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing that the research shows is that women feel like each of us have unique circumstances, unique challenges. We don't feel like we're just like the next person. Right. And so it's about the advisor dedicating that effort up front. But if they do that and they're able to make a woman comfortable enough to talk about, you know, how does money make her feel? Mm -hmm. What are her risks? Mm -hmm. What is she worried about? Then she has somebody in her corner that she feels like really is looking out for her and invested in her ultimate success. So your firm, New York Life Investment Management, is, is trying to educate financial advisors about the best way to to handle women clients, to approach them, That's to develop right. a relationship? Yes, yeah, so we've taken these great insights right. and then really turned them into concrete steps, master classes, programs, even step-by-step. -step. And, you know, we have a number of these outlined, but I'll maybe mention a couple of mm -hmm. them. So, number one, 
embrace the opportunity to provide education because it's pretty clear women just don't feel like they're financially literate enough. Right. And now you're talking to me as, as, as the audience, the financial advisors in our audience. That's right. correct. Okay. So seminars, programs, online classes, even classes for their children because right. oftentimes women worry about their kids being prepared. Mm -hmm. The other thing they can do is really bring the woman into the conversation. Because the other thing we found is that one out of two suddenly single women leave their advisor. Right. So, so if you're divorced or if you're a widow, whatever, whomever your husband had had as your advisor for the family, you basically leave them. That's <laughs> I mean, right. Right. Because you had no relationship. Correct. Right. Okay. So that's almost saying if you have a married breadwinner, a married contributor today in right. your practice. Right build that relationship. And then last bit of advice is really just embracing the entirety mm -hmm. of a woman's financial profile, the entire relationship. Because again, it's not just about financial performance. You know, right. we're talking about that emotional quotient, that emotional no, intelligence. There are a lot of soft skills involved exactly. here. Right. Exactly. And, and I mean, men can do that too? Yes, Asian? men can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> if properly trained, yes. <laughs> so my feeling on this is that if we can do a better job for women investors in this country right. and they have a better experience with financial advisors and financial services, we'll be doing this industry a service too. Oh, you're, right. You're, you're doing both, right, both sides exactly. of the equation. Because another interesting fact in your research was that I think that, you know, that women save more than men. It's not a huge amount, but I think... Um, they save more out of their salary, for instance, their paycheck. And yet, as you said, you know, they invest 40% less than men. So that, that huge gap needs to be addressed, to be addressed. and narrowed. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what you're trying to do. Right. right. And, and we know women live longer than men, too. And when you look at the residents of retirement homes in this country, right. it's 80% women. Mm -hmm. And so it's imperative, you know, that they do fully invest. And I think that does come down to education. With education comes confidence, mm -hmm. comes a willingness to take the risk necessary to really think about investing fully. Right. Um, you know, you run a big business. New York Life Investment Management is $550 billion under management, and you oversee a, you know, 10 independent boutique firms. These are actively managed entities, and they do actively managed investing. There is a whole other trend out there of more and more investors are going into passive index type of products. What's your view of how active management can compete against that? And what's your view of, of this whole trend towards passive sure. investing? You know, actively managed funds is really still, even today, the vast majority of where invest, uh, uh, investors put their money. True, but it's changing. It is Pretty changing. rapidly, right. And I think it's really understanding where active management makes sense and where right. passive investment makes sense. So on the active side, we have a number of actively oriented investment teams. Mm -hmm. And what you want to be is in the part of the market which is relatively less efficient, where you can generate outsized returns without taking outsized risks. Mm -hmm. And there is real return differential between a top quartile manager and a bottom quartile manager. So a couple of examples would be in fixed income. For right. instance. So I've had some of your portfolio managers on from Mackay Shields, for instance. That's right. So fixed income is one of those places where it's it's hard to duplicate or do as well in investing uh, in, in a in a passive index fund as it is in a 
That's in a, right. In a fixed income actually because the yeah. passive can't fully equate to all the available investments, right? Right. In terms of just capacity, so high yield municipals are a good example. Mm-hmm. The other place would be outside the U.S., whether it's emerging markets, international, mm-hmm. global. And then maybe back home, you're thinking about small caps, mid caps, or also right. areas where you have broad spectrum of returns. Mm-hmm. And, and not as well researched, not as well covered. That's correct. Right. Yep. Whereas on the passive side, you know, you think about the most, the largest and most liquid, most efficient markets. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's the Large S&P. cap equities. There you go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. S&P 500, mm-hmm. Russell 1000. Right. It's very difficult to really outperform the index. So that's a great place for investors to really use ETFs because mm-hmm. they're very efficient, very effective. In our minds, all of this development in terms of ETFs and active has been really a great thing for investors because really? mm-hmm. they have many more choices. Mm-hmm. Performance is really even more important today than ever. We know this as asset managers. Right. And the fees have gradually been coming down. Right. So the value proposition is quite good. They have many more tools in their tool chest. And our view is that there's room for passive and active in every portfolio. And of course, that makes the decision of where to invest even more daunting for you know men and women, but particularly for women who are you know, or lack confidence in making those decisions to begin with. So lots of choices is great, but it's going to also be a double-edged sword. Um, who, you know, you, New York Life Investment Management has, you know, made decisions to acquire different firms. When So I, as an individual investor, I am making decisions to invest with different firms or different funds. So what do you look for, I mean, in, in a, a boutique management mm-hmm. firm that, that you want to buy? So first and foremost, we're interested in a specific investment discipline Mm -hmm. that we feel like may not be represented in our lineup. And so we'll start with a more of a quantitative approach. Uh Look for managers that have consistently good performance. You know, we look at three-year performance, probably greatest weight, Mm five-year, one-year to a lesser degree. And then we'll want to meet with the manager because Mm -hmm. it's important to understand how they articulate their investment process. And then we'll do some work to compare what they say and does it actually show up in the return streams. Right. Once we're comfortable with that, that this is a manager that appears to have a consistent process and it delivers in terms of performance, you know, then you have the flip side. Mm -hmm. You know, at what point do you say, okay, maybe a manager isn't doing for me what I want? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar analysis. It's basically if they've articulated something and... And they do something different? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then it makes you question. Or or if there's been a change in terms of the management team, Mm -hmm. you might want to take a pause and reconsider. Mm -hmm. Or just, you know, persistent underperformance for a long period of time. Right. What do you consider to be a long period of time from a 170-some-odd firm in your life is your parent company um, in a very short-term oriented market. I mean, how, how long would you give uh, a, a fund manager of underperforming their benchmark, for instance, right. I think, or their peers? Whatever. You know, it depends on the yeah. strategy because you think about full market cycle. You want to give them yes. the opportunity to demonstrate what they can do in different environments. Right. You know, for the last decade, right, it's a long time, 10 years, but we've been in a bull market. Right. In some ways, this has been just part of the cycle. You haven't seen the other side yet. 
And so in that regard, we tend to be a much more patient firm. You know, New York Life is an insurance company. We invest our own general account, right? So we're in the markets every single day, like all of our clients are. Right. But we tend to really focus on are we accomplishing our goals? Of course, you want to outperform this index, that index. But as we start to, to talk about mm -hmm. it at the beginning of this, it's really about what are people trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then these investments are a means to that end. And ideally, you have a good financial advisor that's helping you figure out exactly what that portfolio should look like. Right. Talk to me about the importance of culture in choosing a financial advisor or in choosing a firm with which to invest or a fund to invest in. How important is culture? Culture to us is incredibly important. I talked earlier about, you know, investment discipline and process. Of course, that's important. But I say our number two priority is cultural fit because ultimately culture is just a set of values that you and I have. And to the extent we share those values, we're more likely to be moving in the same direction together. And so that's important for me from, for running a business. But it's also very important for an investor to feel like they're really on the same page. They see the, see the world in the same way. They share that value base that allows them to have a really fruitful partnership. Is there one team in, among your independently managed boutiques that kind of exemplifies what you look for uh, in, a, in an investment manager? One team that comes to mind uh, invests in the municipal marketplace, and their flagship fund is the Mainstay Mackay Tax-Free Bond Fund. Right. This team has been together for 25 years, and they're one of the reasons why we were named top three tax-free bond manager by Barron's this past year. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes people think about the municipal marketplace as really more of a passive area where people will buy and hold municipal bonds. This team in particular really takes a total return active approach. They leverage deep fundamental credit research and market analysis to find good relative value in what is otherwise a pretty inefficient and fragmented municipal marketplace. And they pay attention to the downside. So you've got downside protection, plus you can make some money with their focus around turtle return. What's going to be your measure of success going back to your women's initiative? What's going to be your measure of success as to uh, the efforts that you've made in identifying, you know, what women need to become more effective investors, and also your education efforts with financial advisors. Our hope is that we begin to move the needle. I yeah. mean, ultimately, what do we want? We want more successful relationships and partnerships between financial advisors and women investors. Now, it's not going to be a perfect science mm -hmm. to measure it. But as we cater to the financial advisor community, we should be able to get a sense of the level of success they're having, re-engaging right. with women they may not have built a relationship with or trying to cultivate more. And, and what's, is, is there a next step? Is there a phase two of this? Or? Yeah, our phase two is really much more about nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. You know, having uh, classes to really help advisors mm -hmm. think about this having them think about ways in which they can hold seminars, different topics, different ways of teaching, so that they feel really comfortable that they've got the tools necessary to have right. these good conversations. So there's a real outreach going on That's from, from you. The one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio that we ask every guest on Wealth Track. 
what would you recommend we all own some of in a long-term diversified portfolio? You know, we've been experiencing bouts of volatility yes. right, in the past days, weeks, and months. And most portfolios, you think about an equity allocation and a bond allocation, right? And those tend to be long the market. My view would be liquid alternatives really deserve a place in a portfolio, whether it's 5, 10, 15 percent. And they're basically hedged strategies. Mm -hmm. So they may not participate to the extent, you know, all the way on the upside, but on the same basis, they won't participate all the way on the downside. And so these instruments basically help to dampen volatility, right. create greater diversification. And these are relatively new. So when, when you think of alternative investments, for instance, they're not liquid. So it's like a hedge fund or a private equity right. fund or, you know, buying, you know, timber or... Um, so it, it's, it's interesting. These liquid alternatives, they basically securitized different strategies that before you, you number you, one, are illiquid and that you really couldn't access unless you were a right. very wealthy individual or an institution. That's right. So Yishin Hung, thank you very much for joining us on WealthTrack. Thank you for the work that you're doing on behalf of educating women. Financially. Thank you so much for having me. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is pay attention to the culture of the people and firms you invest with. Yishin just mentioned that culture is right up there with investment discipline, process, and results. For women in particular, relationships with their financial advisors are really important. In addition to professional credentials that Yishin mentioned, such as certified financial planner, chartered financial analyst, and certified investment management associate, does the advisor understand and agree with your objectives? Pay attention to your comfort level and have a realistic and workable plan to achieve your goals. Do you have the same values and priorities? Does the firm emphasize long-term outcomes and investments rather than short-term actions and performance? This is your life and your money. You and your goals are the priority. Well, next week, we're the next generation of great investors. We have an exclusive interview with legendary value investor Bill Miller and his next generation portfolio management team. On this week's extra feature, Yi Shin makes the connection between her mechanical engineering degree and successfully running New York Life's giant investment management business. We encourage you to keep connecting with us through Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for watching. Have a lovely weekend and a celebratory July 4th holiday. As always, make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.